Hello guys, JR here. Um, I wanted to kind of just take a break in the uh, middle of our inventory process of the uh, Step Study Teaching Series and just kind of um, give you guys a word of encouragement and, um, you know, when I'm teaching this thing face-to-face, we typically, at the end of each book, um, I try to, um, you know, walk away from the program for an evening and uh, take all the guys out to uh, a Chinese buffet or a restaurant or something like that so we can kind of just blow off some steam. Because what we have to realize through this process is that uh, you're not alone. And that's why in the intro of all this you know, teaching we've been doing, I, I repeat every episode that you know, this is not a replacement for a face-to-face meeting. And um, I've kind of gotten a little bit of, a little bit of, I'm not going to say negative feedback, but maybe some some of my listeners had vented some frustration to me personally. You know about, um, you know, man. I mean, I really I dig your podcast, but you're going through this recovery step study thing right now, and and I'm not an addict. You know, I don't know how any of that's going to help me. And what I always tell them is, go ahead and listen to it anyways. Because you might be shocked and surprised as to how much of these principles apply to your day-to-day life, even though you may not have a chemical addiction, even though that might not be part of your day-to-day life or part of your walk with God. This is basically a discipleship program framed in a 12-step manner. Don't let the terminology of recovery and 12-step and, you know, all that kind of stuff, because I, I speak the recovery language really well. And for those that are afraid of being labeled as those people, in quotations, um, that language makes them feel uncomfortable because it, it can sometimes make them feel like they're being, you know, wrangled into a corral with people they don't identify with. Um, the beautiful thing, and I've said this before throughout the teaching series here about Celebrate Recovery is that two out of three people attending Celebrate Recovery meetings are people who are just dealing with life's problems. You know, they're people who are, are recovering from divorce, people who are recognizing their control and anger issues, maybe how fear has been running their life and got their life unmanageable because of that. Um, how it has given birth to things like depression and anxiety, panic disorder. And those people find enormous amounts of help and healing in this program. Um, It's not just for, you know, chemical addicts, people who are alcoholics or identify as drug addicts or that sort of thing. So, you know, as we have been picking the scabs of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups for the last, um, I guess it's been, you know, what, 11 episodes, 10 or 11 episodes. I think I'm getting ready to record lesson 11 in the next couple days. I've been trying to give you some more time between these very crucial and deep 
um, lessons of inventory to be able to process this and pray over this process in your life and give you an opportunity to not rush through this and really think about this. Maybe go back and listen to you know, that week's podcast over a couple times. Um, I do that with this podcast. You know, I, I stream it directly from Anchor and listen to it. Usually once it's posted, I might, I might listen to it two or three times, you know, after having already listened to it several times in post-production. Um, and it ministers to me, you know, um, I, I'm, when I'm teaching this stuff, man, I, I'm, a whole lot of it is really just coming from the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I don't have a whole bunch of notes. You know, I've got a bunch of notes in my step study books that I'm kind of reading out of and, you know, that sort of thing. But I'm really trusting God to give me the words to speak to the people that are listening to this podcast. There's other resources online where you can get these lessons. Uh, I think John Baker Jr. himself uh, has a video series probably on their YouTube channel. I know I've seen it in the Celebrate Recovery meetings where he is teaching these lessons in a much more abbreviated fashion than what I am. Um, but I have had, you know, a lot of success in my approach in teaching these, you know, these lessons and framing it the way that I have framed it uh, over the last, you know, 10 years. You know, so that's the whole purpose behind this is just to give people a different perspective on this series. For some of the people listening to this podcast, it is a serious lifeline. It is something that they can go to between Celebrate Recovery meetings. Um, and it, it is a real anchor for them. Uh, I know some people listen to this on their lunch break at work when they're having a rough day. They'll find an episode that that God leads them to and they'll listen to it, you know, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm saying all that to say that, you know, what we're going through right now has enormous purpose and stick with me here. Okay. Um, open your mind and open your heart and just keep listening to the episodes and let God use the things that we're bringing forward in this program, uh, you know, for him to be able to speak into your life. And for those of you that are like, you know, like JR, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm all sold out to this. You know, man, God bless you. That's awesome. You are the reason why I am actually recording this podcast right now because you have went through a lot already in this step study series. And if you're really working inventory the way, you know, we're, we're teaching it, then you're probably dealing with some discomfort and you're probably dealing with some things that you have questions about and, you know, that sort of thing. I would highly, you know, recommend that you get plugged into a local Celebrate Recovery group. Um, you know, take one of these step studies face-to-face. -face. You know, let this just be an, an additional resource to an, an already active program that you are participating in. Um, you know, get over the hump of, those people, you know, stereotypes and just humble yourself and, and get in there and, you know, enjoy the time of worship, the time of fellowship with other broken people. Uh, we did a 101 tonight. I had a celebrate recovery tonight and we did a 101 tonight with a, a new guy who is just dealing with, you know, complete utter brokenness from divorce. 
And, you know, I'm sitting there looking the guy in the eye like, man, you are in the right place. You know, these people here don't have it all together, and that's a good thing. It's my favorite thing about Celebrate Recovery. And a whole nother conversation is the idea that I see much more of New Testament Christianity playing out in these Tuesday night meetings than what I do sometimes, even on Sunday mornings. Take that for what it is. That's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, here's a guy who is not necessarily hung up on chemical issues, but hung up on emotional issues. He's got some hurts and some hangups in his life that are really getting in the way of his freedom and, um, you know, his victory. This, this program is wonderful for that, you know? So hang in there, you know, let me encourage you being someone who's been through this multiple times myself. And as I said, in the last episode, the enemy is throwing everything in the kitchen sink at me right now to try and keep me from moving forward with this teaching series and I just refuse to let him win. It is 3.03 a.m. <laughs> and I'm setting at the microphone when I should have probably went to bed about two hours ago. Um, now I'm wore out, tired, spent all day on the road, drove to Delaware and back today, you know, buying equipment for my audio business. And I'm still grateful, man. You know, I'm still thankful to be able to sit behind this microphone and, and share the the beauty God's done in my life. Um, I was, and you can pray for me about these things, but I was really contemplating on maybe giving uh, my testimony at this part of the teaching series. But um, God is working something in me that way. I am uh, rewriting my testimony and I am ramping it up for um, actually giving it at our Tuesday night meeting in September when I celebrate 10 years inside of Celebrate Recovery. Um, you guys are all welcome to come to that if you'd like. Just shoot me a message and I'll give you the info when that's going to you know go down. But um, there's a lot of stuff inside my testimony that's very uncomfortable to bring out on a public format like this. And... Um, I made an attempt to do that, I think, in season one or early in season two and let it hang for a little while. And then I think I went back and deleted it uh, because I just didn't feel like some details of that was something that I am comfortable with disclosing in a public forum like this or a public format like this. But if you come to our Tuesday night Celebrate Recovery meeting, you'll get all the gory details. <laughs> and I'm honestly, guys, I'm probably even going to water down some of the details in that setting as well because it's a co-ed setting with both men and women. And some of my struggles, um, you know, touch on some, you know, very triggering things for uh, you know, women in some cases, and I want to be sensitive to that. And I want to, you know, let the Holy spirit lead. And I don't want to trigger anyone's past trauma, um, by telling my story in its entirety. So I am going to really use some, um, some discretion this time around and how I'm doing that. But, you know, the idea behind posting it at this part of this season in the middle of recovery 
was to just try and, and give you guys that are really working this and really trying to, you know, go through this program right now, uh, along with me in the podcast, uh, to give you some hope and to try to make you understand that we're all broken, man. It's like the guy I told, you know, tonight that went through, you know, CR 101 tonight. I was like, we only have one rule here, and that is no perfect people. Everyone sitting in this room tonight was broken. You know, everyone is trying to unravel their mess, trying to unravel their dysfunction. So you are not alone. Don't let the enemy try to tell you that uh, everyone else around you has it together and, you know, you're a complete wreck and a, and a mess and you know, no one's ever going to love you and you're never going to be good enough and, you know, all that trash that he tries to feed us all the time. And I, I hear it just the same as you. You know, I'm no different than you. I struggle with all those things every day. Every day I wake up, he's he meets me as soon as I open my eyes and he's standing right there to, you know, start condemning me and start accusing me. The Bible says that, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. You know, he is the accuser of the saints. And uh, we are the saints through Christ Jesus. So there's never a day that goes by that he's not telling me at some point during the day that I'm not enough and whatever I'm doing is wrong and, you know, there's no hope for me and, you know, I would do the world a favor if I just ended my life and, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, it's anyone who's really been through deep levels of sorrow and pain from you know, divorce or abuse issues or things like that, and I have all that stuff in my past, um, can understand what I mean by that. I'm not being morbid. I am in no threat of suicide. I have no intentions of ever, you know, doing anything like that. But being someone whose story is framed around multiple suicides in my family, um, it's something that knocks at my door all the time. It just does, you know. Um, thankfully, it has way less power over me now than what it has in years past, specifically the few years before I got into recovery. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to report that I have victory over that, you know. But the enemy never stops, you know, trying to beat me up with it, you know. He, he never uh, misses an opportunity to shove the knife deep into any site of blood and twist it and, you know, open it up and try to make it a major hemorrhage in your life. You got to understand that, you know, part of, and I guess maybe, and I'm just kind of freestyling here, guys, because I just felt led to do this, you know, to offer some encouragement. But, you know, part of this is understanding your enemy, you know, and understanding that Satan is not trying to do you any favors. He does not like you. He's not some anti-hero that Hollywood has made him out to be in, in a TV show or something like that. His only purpose is to kill and destroy. His only desire is to kill and destroy. Jesus des described him this way. He said he was a murderer from the beginning, and he will always be a murderer, that he's the father of lies, that when he he speaks, he speaks his native tongue, which is a constant barrage of lies. He is the master manipulator. He never forces anybody to do anything. He manipulates us to do it on our own so that after we cross that line, he can stand there and pour condemnation, shame, and guilt on us. 
He has no power over us whatsoever. And if you are a believer in Jesus and washed in the blood, then you're sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit, and he can't touch you. He can't take your sanity. He can't drive you crazy. You may feel like you're going crazy. And there was a, there was a part of my recovery really not that long ago, uh, three, four years ago, where I was really in a desperate, dark place of anxiety and a constant barrage of panic attacks where I really thought that I was losing my mind. And I, in my mind, I thought that the enemy was stealing my sanity from me. And it wasn't until I sat across the table from um, my trusted Christian counselor that she looked me in the eye and she said, Satan can't do that. He can't take that from you. He has no power over you. Guys, I already knew that. I've known that for decades. But for whatever reason, I had believed a lie. I had believed the deception that he had that power over me for some reason. And the second that I was reminded of the truth, which was he has no power over me and he cannot take my mind and he cannot take my sanity. And I do not have to listen to the whispering lies that he tries to, you know, plant in my ear every day. That was a game changer for me. You know, I immediately, immediately within a few days started pulling out of the panic attacks and pulling out of the anxiety issues and stuff like that. And, and you know, the other side of that was, too, I was extremely active with my sponsor. My counselor uh, was going to a second uh, psychologist and was really, really digging deep to try and clean out my closet and unveil any hidden layers of trauma that may be lying dormant in me. In fact, I remember even praying toward that, praying, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to heal any hidden trauma that may be hiding in my flesh and the subconscious of my mind and may be trying to, to surface things I'm not even aware of, but that are affecting my sanity, that are affecting my day-to-day walk. Lord, I put that stuff under the blood and I pray that you heal that in me. And he did. The second I started praying that stuff, man, it was, it was a game changer. You know, and guys, I have been on all the antidepressants. I have been through the whole medication roller coaster, and I could never seem to get any peace or any any kind of positive results from any of that stuff. The doctors were even, you know, up in arms about it and couldn't, didn't know what to do with me because nothing worked. Um, you know, most of the mainstream, you know, antidepressants like Prozac and Zoloft gave me massive heart palpitations. So I had horrible side effects to it. I couldn't take that stuff. Um, I did take Welbutrin for a little while, did me some good. That lasted about, I don't know, four to six months. And then I started having some pretty hard side effects from that and I had to quit taking that. You know, I mean, it's, I've, I've been, been there guys. I've just been there. If you're someone who deals with that, I, there's no judgment toward that. I'm not a doctor. I've, I never tell people what to do medically. You need to figure that out with your doctor or your psychiatrist. Um, I'm just telling you how it played out in my life. You know, when I got a hold of that idea that Satan had no power over me and that he could not take my sanity and he could not, you know, take anything from me that I wouldn't willingly give him, that was huge. And like I said, I already knew that truth. I had known that truth for decades before that. But I needed somebody to look me in the eye and remind me of that. 
And that's why it's so important to stay connected with people um, in your local recovery program. You know, I needed my counselor to look me in the eye and say, no, you, you, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You know, you are an overcomer through the resurrection power of Jesus. The whole reason he you know, raised from the dead was to defeat hell, death, and the grave and empower us with that same resurrection power so that we don't have to live in defeat, that you know, sin is no longer our slave master, that the enemy has no power over us. I needed that. And then just out of the blue, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and, and told me to start. I think what I was doing, he told me to start praying against this hidden trauma thing. And I think what happened was I was actually working the ACA program in parallel with Celebrate Recovery at that time. I had just discovered that program. This has been, I don't know, about three, four years ago. Um, that's the Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. It's a powerful program, very, very good. Secular program, but it's, it's a lot of good stuff there. And they, they spoke a lot about hidden trauma. And I know uh, doing trauma work is very popular in psychological circles these days. Um, there's a lot of popular books. Uh, the Body Keeps a Score is a, is a book about working through um, you know trauma in your life, hidden trauma, sometimes not so hidden trauma. Uh, I just read that book about six months ago, uh, and it kind of reinforces this whole idea. I just started praying against it. I just, like, Lord, heal me of any hidden trauma that may be lying dormant in my body, in my flesh. Because that's exactly what they were they were teaching in the the trauma, you know, work, was that, you know, your body remembers the trauma. Even if you shut down psychologically, your physical body remembers that. And it's only a matter of time before it starts surfacing. That's where these kind of programs really shine. Because, you know, Celebrate Recovery, ACA, you know, Al-Anon, you know, programs like that. ACA actually came out of Al-Anon, um, even just general support groups like Samson Society, Sarah Society, you know, I, I support all that stuff and I have worked all that stuff. I'm an active member in Samson Society. It's just an online men's ministry. The Sarah Society is the online women's ministry. Um, and we meet on Zoom. We have several meetings a day so you can kind of pop in whenever you have time. And man, that's that's been huge. That's been huge in helping me keep it, keeping my boundaries in the correct place and working through the process of day-to-day inventory. You know, we're going through a hardcore, in-depth, fearless moral inventory of ourselves in the step study we're teaching right now. But once you're through this program, you realize that inventory is a daily thing. You know, you, you learn to start inventorying your life every day. A lot of people do it when they lay down at night. They lay down at night and they reflect on what happened that day. They're thinking about those things while they're trying to go to sleep. If you're like me, it keeps you up half the night. I have to like watch a nature show or something to distract my mind so I can actually fall asleep because my brain just does not want to quit working. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that is super huge to get connected, you know, and understand that you're not alone and you don't have to walk this out alone. I'm not, even though we're in this detached kind of communication with uh, me on one side of the mic and you on, you know, the other side, I'm still praying for you guys. 
I still pray for everyone that's listening to this podcast. I pray regularly for the people that are listening to this podcast. Uh, I, I pray regularly for my Celebrate Recovery brothers and sisters, you know, my Samson Society brothers, you know. Um, even my you know, non-Christian friends who just love me, you know, I pray for them all the time because I love them too. You know, how am I ever going to model Christ into their life if I don't love them right where they are? Because Jesus loves them right where they are. And he's constantly knocking at the, the door of their hearts. And I'm hoping maybe someday they'll open that door and let him in. I can't force that situation, and I can't fix anybody. So, I mean, that is what it is. And then finally, I just want to, because I don't want to go long here, guys, uh, I want to touch on the idea of compassion fatigue. Uh, this is a term that I have just recently uh, been exposed to. Uh, uh, somebody that I know was talking about compassion fatigue in a conversation not directed toward anybody specifically, but um, sometimes people say things and it really hits a nerve with me and it sticks in me and it's something that I have to um, really flesh out, you know, it usually ends up in a daily journal. Um, I've been posting some of my writing on the restoration ministries, Facebook page. Uh, I had done that for many years on my personal profile and I actually started the restoration ministries page specifically for, you know, uh, posting my journal entries and some of the things that I write, I write a lot, you know, I, do a lot of writing. I find great comfort in writing and I enjoy writing. Um, and I'm probably going to do some writing on that idea of compassion fatigue, but let's talk about that for a second. You know, if you're a sponsor and or an accountability partner who is trying to help someone through the inventory process right now, give yourself some space, man, and put up some boundaries. You know, you don't have to be everything to everybody all the time. Keep your own sobriety in check. Keep your, you know, health in check first, because if you're not healthy and you're not banging on all cylinders, you can't correctly help someone else in a healthy way. You know, so keep that, keep that in perspective because compassion fatigue is a real thing. And I mean, it will, it will ignite burnout quicker than anything in the world. And basically what I mean when I say compassion fatigue, it's when you, you love and have invested in somebody's life to an extent to where it's just wearing you out. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, performing a labor of love, you know, while discipling those around us and while trying to love those around us. But it's important that we recognize when we get exhausted from that process and take time for ourselves. It's very important because, again, if your sobriety is not intact and your mental health is not correct and you're not taking care of you, then you can't help anybody else. You're just going to be a mess. And then you'll start acting out and, and you know, getting frustrated and maybe getting edgy you know, and things like that with the people you're trying to you know, talk to. Um, some of these people are, are really, really broken and really need help, and it requires an enormous amount of patience. So be aware of that. And for those that are actually working the program here along with the podcast, recognize that about helping yourself because 
you know, you can get exhausted trying to fix yourself. You know, you can get exhausted by spending too much time in your inventory, by, you know, just constantly having yourself under the microscope. Make sure you're keeping your inventory balanced. You know, you heard me talk about that in the last two episodes, and I'm going to keep on harping on it the rest of the series here. Keep your inventory balanced. Make sure that you're listing good things on your inventory as well as the things you need to fix or deal with. This is an uncomfortable process, and don't be surprised if the enemy throws the kitchen sink at you while you're trying to do it. He's going to give you every reason why you don't have to sit down with a pen and paper and fill out that worksheet. He's going to give you every reason why you don't need to listen to this podcast. There's going to be plenty of reasons. Some of them are going to be really justifiable why you don't have to do this. I'm telling you, that's a trap. Don't fall for it. Discipline yourself a little bit, practice a little bit of self-control, and stay plugged in as we truck along here in this step study series. And I promise you, you'll thank me later. Because this series is a game changer, man. I mean, an absolute game changer. So, um, yeah. Compassion fatigue. Be sure that you're monitoring your, your, your sleep. Make sure you're getting plenty of exercise and you're eating right, you know, and you're taking care of yourself psychologically. You might need to take a day off and go for a drive through the mountains, maybe go up to a mountain lake and just sit there and pray, take the Bible with you, read some scriptures and really take a day to meditate in the Lord, make an appointment with yourself. You know, ask God, you should be praying this whole process. You should be praying for God to heal you and restore you, to open your eyes to his understanding, to enlighten you to his will that love may abound in you more and more, to recreate in you a heart of flesh and to destroy the heart of stone that has been the heart that got you you into an unmanageable life, got you to a place of crisis. And you know what? Maybe you're somebody who doesn't feel like you're in that place of crisis. That's okay, too. You know, you should still take that time. You should still take this advice, and you should still be very aware of how you're taking care of yourself. Guys, I love you, and I look forward to continuing uh, this, this teaching series and hopefully wrapping it up within the next 30 days or 40 days or something like that because we're about we're almost halfway through the program. So be encouraged, understand that I'm praying for you, and I expect you guys to pray for me too, because believe me, I need prayer. Trust me, I need prayer. So I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and uh, we're all going to try to be the best Christians we can be. Let's pray together. Lord Heavenly Father, I I thank you for each and every person that is listening to this podcast right now. Um, I pray that you... You just minister to them, Lord. I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to comfort them through this process. Lord, I pray that you ignite courage in them so that they can be brave and courageous in um, opening their minds and their hearts to the process of inventory. Lord, I pray that you help them see the things that they need to see in this process, that they peel the exact thickness of the layer of onion that they need to peel this time around, Lord. Lord, I pray that you help them to keep proper boundaries in their life, Lord God, as they work through this. Um, Open their eyes to how important this is in their life and how they need to make this process a priority in their life, Lord. And I pray that you just bless their socks off. 
And I just pray that you, you know, open the windows of heaven and pour out physical, spiritual, emotional, you know, blessings on them that, that they find emotional healing, psychological healing, spiritual healing. Lord, I even pray that you bless them financially. You know, I pray that they have good, easy days at work, that they can, you know, work through this process without the distractions of, you know, everything the enemy's thrown at them. And Lord, help them to see that when the stress gets turned up in their life, that that is the, their enemy trying to keep them from doing this. Because he knows, Lord, and you, you know this, God, he knows if they get tapped into the healing that is here in this process, that his goose is cooked. And we all know he's not going to go without a fight. And that's okay. Because all we have to fight is the good fight of faith. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your son, Jesus, that loved me even when I couldn't love myself and loved these people even when they couldn't love themselves, that he implanted in me self-worth when I was feeling worthless and implanted hope in me when I felt hopeless, when I felt like no one was ever going to love me again. You reminded me how much you love me. And you reminded me of how when you were hanging on the cross, you seen the chastisement of my peace and you bore that for me that you took that suffering for me so that when I have to go through this suffering, I can do it with my head held high, knowing that I have all victory through your sacrifice at Calvary, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for working the beautiful things in our lives, Lord. Thank you for drawing things out of us that we didn't even know existed. You know, thank you for drawing the uncomfortable pain to the surface that we didn't even know was there. And then healing us of that. Lord, I thank you for the people that you bring into our lives and bring across our pathway to steer us toward the cross, to steer us toward your truth. Lord, I pray that you give every person listening to this podcast a burning desire to read your word and to discover your true identity and to give them revelation knowledge of it when they get into that word. Lord, I pray that you, you just bless these guys and that you comfort them and you send people to comfort them and to guide them and to help them as they bravely and courageously walk through this process of recovery. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.